Oh. Yeah, so thank you all for being here. Um, it's nice that you're taking this as a priority for yourself, so I agree that there seems to be less and less time in the day. Um, and yeah, time is very valuable. It's a valuable thing, especially with phones and computer. You know, you could always be doing something now. And um, it's really nice to see that this group also provides that support for people. I, when I lived in the monastery, I meditated every day because I was living in a house of people who every morning went and sat together. So it was just easy because we supported each other. We just did it together as just part of our routine. And that's also part of why I like offering these courses is to just provide that platform that people can just come and you don't have to think about it. You just say, I know there's meditation tonight and I know that I'm gonna go to it and put it out of your mind, right? So in that way, I feel really nice to be able to help support you guys to practice and also it supports me because I get to meditate with you. So that's a really nice kind of exchange that I find. I feel called to talk about, I would almost even say it's like the heart of meditation practice. And it kind of fits well with some things that some of you mentioned, um, specifically about it's hard to meditate the times that you maybe really need it. Um, if you've just lost somebody, something just happens in your life, you're exhausted, you're stressed, tired, overworked, confused, etc., etc. Um, in this human theater, as it were, with all of these ups and downs and situations and comings and goings and, you know, peaks and valleys and happinesses and sorrows and griefs, and it's all kind of in there. And that's just kind of what it is. It's never going to be any different. Um, there's not necessarily happier times and sadder times, although it seems like there are, but often it's also about how we're able to relate and respond to what's happening in our lives. How well we're able to deal with the things that are happening actually kind of informs if they are positive or negative events in that sense, and how much they take out of us. <clears throat> I have found in my own practice that taking a responsibility for myself, for my mind, is kind of at the core of all of this. The more that you really feel that it's up to you, your success, your failure, your happiness, your sadness, your ability to cope and get through, you fully own that. And as you fully own that, everything's going to happen. There's going to be beautiful things. There's going to be horrible things that happen around you and to you, and nobody gets out alive, right? So at the end of the day, anyway, each one of us is going to die, which is kind of like a depressing story if you think about it that way. There is actually no happy ending for anybody, for anybody, you know? I heard uh, a poignant Zen quote, and it was like, you know, life is like we are all on a cruise ship heading out to sea, and we all know that the cruise ship is going to sink in the middle of the ocean.
<clears throat> That's kind of life in a nutshell. There's only one direction that we're going, and we know exactly that it ends. And within that framework, and I, I have to say that's crazy. When you really sit and look at that, when I was a kid, I'd lie in bed at night like, oh my God, I'm gonna die someday? I'm gonna die. What happens when you die? I, would, I think I was like seven years old and I'd just be laying in bed at night like, oh my God, what, you know. It's existential crisis when I'm a kid, just knowing that I'm on this boat that's gonna sink and what the hell? What am I supposed to do with that? Knowledge, yeah? It's insane, if you really think about it, it's kind of insane, because everything you've ever known is life. It's this, it's what it feels like to be here and exist. And to know that someday this is gonna end, it's like, what, what is that? What does that mean, right? We have no idea, and it's, it's crazy. It's crazy to kind of try to process that. Um, but there it is, right, the great mystery as it were. We have no idea what's really going on here. And as we're sharing this place with others, also other people pass on. My father passed actually um, in November, so not that long ago. And especially when a parent goes, it really shakes the kind of fabric of your reality. Because that person's always been there since you were born, literally. And suddenly they're gone and it's like, wow. Even that, even somebody, something that's so essential to my reality, to my story. You know, this, this character in my sitcom that's been there since the first episode is just not there in the next episode. And it's like, what the hell? And that leaves this kind of hole and it's this kind of vacuum and it's kind of just this big question mark that you don't really know what that was or what it's supposed to be. So that's kind of the starting point of all of this. And that's even what the Buddha said. The Buddha, as the stories go, after he reached enlightenment, he was walking, you know, he got up from the Bodhi tree, and my gosh, the Buddha, he's enlightened, he's shining, he's kind of walking. The first person he sees, this man approaches him, he says, oh, sir, you're, you're shining. What, what, what's going on? Tell me, what, what, who are you? What have you done? And he said, I... I'm enlightened. I have awakened. And the man said, oh, wow, amazing. Congratulations. That's beautiful. And then the man walked away. Never asked for a teaching. So then the Buddha continues, and then he met these ascetics who he was practicing with before he kind of went off in his own way. And when the ascetics came up to him, they're like, oh, you look like you're shining and glowing and happy. What happened? The Buddha said, well, yes, I, I am awakened, but also you guys are suffering. You guys are stuck in something. You guys are on a cruise ship that's heading out to the ocean that's going to sink. And there's something you can do about it. And that's what turned on their minds to say, please tell us. So actually in Buddhism, the teachings, the dispensation of the Dharma, the teachings, the turning of the wheel, it kind of happened because the Buddha had to lay it out in a way that said you're in an unfavorable situation and there is something you can do about it. So he didn't paint life to be this happy, magical place that we can all go around and, you know. He really said, yeah, like, there's some problems here. There's some really big, serious things going on here. But there's also a way through all of that. 
and that's what kind of lit the fire under some people to start practicing. So again, we have right in this room some starts and stops and some dabblers and some people that fall off the wagon and all this, right? If you recall mortality, your own mortality, it's a pretty good fire under your butt. If you really recognize that you have such a limited time here, a precious limited time here, you're going to practice. You're going to make sure that you figure things out. I personally, I teach meditation. I read the suttas. I talk about this stuff all day long. I think about it all day long. I have like an ongoing existential crisis. Like, oh my God, I'm going to die someday. I haven't really figured it all out yet. I need to figure it out. It really churns this fire, this, this wish, this desire to understand and to keep growing and learning. Right? It's this fire that consumes. In Pali, it's called chanda, right? It's a, it's a desire, but it's in a good direction. It's not like the desire for the Oreo cookies over there, right? Which you'll eat, and they taste good, but then that's it. And maybe then you feel tired afterwards because there's a lot of sugar in them or something. You know, it's not like that kind of pleasure. Like, oh, that's pleasure, and then it kind of drops to a, a heaviness. It's a kind of pleasure that just keeps growing and multiplying and opening. The pleasure of practicing is a pleasure that just keeps growing. The more that you learn, the more peaceful you become, the more it spreads, you get energy. You become more awake and aware and happy and joyful and peaceful in your daily life as well. So these are kind of the fruits. The Buddha said, you know, there's, there's suffering that leads to more suffering. There's suffering that leads to happiness. There's happiness that leads to suffering. And there's happiness that leads to happiness. Okay, so those are the four kind of things there. So suffering that leads to suffering that would probably be like if I'm angry and I punch somebody in the face because I'm angry, I'm suffering and now I create suffering for them and then they're angry and they punch me back and right, so our suffering is creating more and more and more suffering, right? Same thing maybe if you are judging yourself, right? You're unhappy, you're suffering and then you're judging yourself and then you're suffering more because you're judging yourself and you're even more unhappy and oh my God, now I'm even more unhappy and judging the judgments and it kind of goes on forever, right? That whole thing. So there's a lot of ways that we make ourselves more miserable. I'm sure we could each write a book about that, about our own, our own way of doing that, yeah? And then there's happiness that leads to suffering, which again could be something like doing something that feels good in the moment, but ultimately is probably not that good for you. Like, I think drug users kind of do this, maybe like having an affair or something could be like that, um, you know, Right, eating a huge amount of Ben and Jerry's ice cream before you go to bed at night, you know, something, and I did this last night actually, so I can say from experience that it was amazingly pleasurable as I was eating the ice cream, and then I lay in bed and I was like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. You know, this happiness, but it leads to suffering. So now there's suffering that leads to happiness. That's like getting your butt on your meditation cushion. Yeah, so I've started going to the gym every day, and I'm now like a month into this program of just going every single day. And I can tell you it's like the happiest I've been in a long time. I feel so good about myself because I'm disciplined, because I'm doing this. And I'm doing it because I want to do it, because it feels good. And um, today, like I said, so I was at MIT Medical today teaching meditation, so I drove into Boston and taught. And then I drove home and I was talking with my girlfriend and we were like planning this trip across the country which we're doing later and, and all this stuff. And then I was just like, man, I'm exhausted. And I kind of lay down and 
bed and I look at the time and I was like, okay, I have to come here, but now I have only this much time to go do my one hour exercise in the gym. And I kind of got up out of bed and I was like, I don't want to go to the gym at all right now, but I'm going to. And I said, and this is a moment of growth. This is the moment when you really, really, really don't want to do it, but you do it anyway because you know that it's good for you because you know you're going to feel good afterwards. Yeah, that's like the great divide. Yeah, that's like in a video game where you beat the end boss and it's like you're like a level up. You know, that now you're stronger, you become stronger. Yeah, you become stronger. You're building momentum. Each time you go through resistance, you're building up more momentum. And it becomes easier and easier. Because now tomorrow I'll wake up and I'll say, wow, like, I feel fine. I'll go right to the gym because I just went through this really hard one yesterday. So I know that if I can get through that, then I can get through anything, right? And that's kind of how it is, that we build up momentum. Each time you go through that resistance, it gets stronger, your, your inertia, your momentum. In Buddhism, we say your karma. Karma is a force. Through your actions and activities and intentions, it creates a force. So I'm creating a karmic force that gets me to the gym every day. If I today said, eh, I'm kind of tired, I'm not really in the mood, I'm just going to lie in bed. Maybe I'll watch something on Netflix for an hour before I go teach meditation. Then I'm setting my karma, my inertia, my momentum in the direction of blah, of not doing anything, right? Of being a blob. And I'm sure we all know blob karma. Well, that's, that's an easy one to create. Yeah, because life is hard. Because... Even to move your body takes effort. I was at the monastery. I did a three-month prostration retreat, which is where you lay fully down on the ground and then you stand up again. It's like this full-length bow they do in the Tibetan traditions. So I had a plank of wood on the ground, and I would kind of slide down this plank of wood, and there was like a Buddha statue at the end of it, you know, and then I would stand back up, and that was one, right? And I did 100,000 of them. This was, the, it was like a Tibetan practice of purification. So over three months, I did 1,200 every day and just did this every single day. So 300 before breakfast, 300 before lunch, 300 before dinner, 300 before bed. And it was a silent retreat. So otherwise, I was just kind of with myself in my room meditating or going for a walk in nature. But so this was really just this time with myself. And I remember one of the days when I was, you know, polishing the board, as it were, right? just sliding down this board. And I'd go down and stand up, and, and I just, it, it gets incredibly boring sometimes, and sometimes it also is the last thing in the world you want to do. I would have, like, anxiety attacks, you know, just knowing that I'm in the middle of this thing. I'm, like, a month and a half in, and I have a month and a half to go, and my body's, like, shaking. I'm almost, like, gagging. It's just, like, this feeling of almost, yeah, everything, this huge resistance is coming up. And I'd have to say to myself, well, like, can you at least go down one more time? Yes. And I'd go down. Okay, can you at least stand up? Yes. Okay, can you at least go down? Yes. Can you at least stand up? And I'd have to go through 300 prostrations like that, like cueing myself. Like, all you have to do is go down. All you have to do is stand up. All you have to do is go down. So really kind of separating the reality from the emotional response that was happening. 
And as I was doing that, I remember really looking closely and I was saying, what is the big deal, Seth? Why is this such a big deal for you right now? What's so bad about this? And all that I could really come to is that when your body's lying on the ground, it's comfortable, gravity is holding you down, right? It's kind of like, if that's like the, the neutral state, if you just let go completely, you'll just be laying on the ground, right? Held down by gravity, held up by the earth, that middle spot. That's kind of this point of balance. That's why we sleep like that. So to stand up, that takes effort. It takes literally effort and energy to push yourself and to slide and to stand up. It takes effort. It's a little bit of discomfort. It's just a little bit of discomfort, a little bit of tension. But to have to do that 100,000 times, my God, it really gets to you. It's like standing up out of bed 100,000 times and you just want to stay in bed. And I kind of saw that at this really base level, what it means to be alive is that you have to put in effort. Have to put in effort just to survive. And nature had a good way of motivating you. You wake up in the morning and you need to go to the bathroom and you need some food. And you know, I've tried to stay in bed all day, it doesn't work. You have to eventually get up and do something. You know? And even if you do find a way to stay in bed for a long time, like your back starts hurting. And you're like, okay, I actually still have to stand up. So nature, we have a way that we're kind of motivated to move and to keep going through our basic physical drives of, of hunger and thirst and warmth and sleep and sex. But we also then have the second level of things because we're humans. We're not like a dog or a cat. And that's what they do is they like eat and sleep all day. It's kind of their thing, eat, sleep, and poop, especially for dogs, right? we have this other level going on, this reflexive quality of our mind, that we also know things like right and wrong. We also know things like karma, like cause and effect. We have directions that we could and want to go. We have this whole morality and this whole understanding of things that we don't just follow the basic needs of the body, we also have kind of a direction that we want to move ourselves in. And that's where this effort and this intention and this kind of, you know, doing it comes into play. It's getting on the cushion, coming to this class, whatever it means for you, but knowing what would be good for you, what feels good, what you want, and moving towards that. Yeah. And it is sometimes a hard thing. Um, like I said, I. I'm now going to the gym, so I only was able to do that because I have a friend who has like a Facebook gym program that I like bought from him and then I have like my Facebook app where every day I look and I'm like, what is today's exercise? So I needed support even to do that, right? There are some times in life where we have to admit to ourselves, I need some help. <clears throat> and it's not like if I wanted it enough, I would do it. No, that's your ego also. Because I always said that, yeah, if I really wanted to go to the gym, I would, but I don't. It's like, that's ridiculous. I sound like an alcoholic. If I really wanted to quit, I would. No, of course not. You definitely want to quit. You, know, you definitely want to meditate. You definitely want to feel good and feel better and do these things, but it's just hard. You don't know how to get the momentum going. So that's good to come to classes like this. Um, also, like I have this talk that I'm giving now. It'll be online with other talks that I have. 
Um, and also I have now an online meditation program that I just made as well to support people like in their homes meditating as well. So as far as the meditation itself, right? So what are we doing in the meditation? And I started the talk by saying that I want to kind of talk about the essence or the core of this practice. And the core of the practice of meditation, it's really just about becoming content. Contentment is everything. It's everything. That the more that you're able just to be with whatever is going on in your experience and to say to yourself, I don't want it any other way. It has this magical quality where you then can drop deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. The moment that you want something, that you want to meditate, that you want to get more peaceful, that you want to have realization, that wanting mind, that pushes you away from it. Because wanting is discontentment. Wanting is very basically saying, there's something that's not here that I want. Yeah? Discontentment is separation. Right? There's now me and this other thing. So the mind is not concentrated, right? Concentration, when something's gathered together. So a concentrated mind is when the mind is fully gathered together. If the mind is discontent, that's on the most basic level saying there's an inside and an outside. There's me and there's this other thing. So on the most basic level, this duality, the mind is fractured. It's not concentrated. A discontent mind is a fractured mind. It is not concentrated. When you become content, when you start allowing things to be, I have a little bit of pain in my leg. That's fine. I love pain. Keep going. Yeah? I feel grief. I feel burnt out. Okay, grief. Welcome. Let me sit with you. Yeah? I feel doubt. I don't really know how to practice. Okay, doubt. Come on in. Yeah, I want to go deeper. Oh, wanting. How nice of you. Come on in. Really accepting, taking everything in, letting it all be there, and welcoming it, opening it up. There's nothing that doesn't belong. There's nothing that's outside. It's all okay. And I don't want anything else. And when you can really reach that place where you just feel, this is fine, this is enough, the mind by itself starts to drop deeper and deeper and deeper because it's not moving anymore. It by itself just starts to slide into the meditation. Yeah, it's like the, if you throw a rock into a lake and the rock just sinks down to the bottom. That's really what contentment is. It's just that pure place of just letting go and letting things be, and you drop all the way in. And if you're noticing in your meditation that you start to drop in and you'll reach like a level, those of you who meditate more often will kind of notice this. You'll meditate and you'll kind of reach a level where you feel pretty calm, pretty peaceful, but it's not like ecstatic or anything. It's just like, okay, yeah. Usually in those moments, you can feel into that, perceive that, and again, realize this is okay, this is enough. Bring again contentment into that. 
Yeah, it's kind of counterintuitive, and that's why people need to come to like meditation classes. Because normally if you're in a state and you're like, oh, this is okay, I'm kind of relaxed, but I want to go deeper, you're then going to start trying to do, maybe I should focus more on the breath or smile more or sit up straighter or maybe I should do walking meditation or maybe I should sit for two hours instead of 20 minutes or like you keep trying, you want to do something else. But actually maybe the thing to do, it's in that moment that you hit that wall, you hit that level. See if you can bring contentment to that. This is enough. This is great. And what you'll find is that if you can bring the right amount of contentment into that, that whole floor will drop out and you'll go right into the next level. It kind of keeps going. So meditation, it's usually not about doing something more. It's actually about letting go more. It's about being more content with things. Allowing this more. Enjoying this more. Yeah, allowing the mind to really drop in and feel good in this place. Um, in the heart of this moment, is the meditation practice. It's in the heart of this moment. It's nowhere else. It's right here. So what I would like to do is I would like to actually just have a half an hour meditation now. Um, I think I've primed your minds for it. So we're going to sit and we're going to practice this contentment. We're going to practice this allowing things to be. I'll walk you through a little bit of a guided meditation, relaxing the body and things like this, which is also a contentment practice in of itself. Just relaxing the body, okay, everything's fine, everything's fine. And then we're gonna relax the mind and we're gonna really just allow things to be and actively be content. See what that means for you. And if upstairs the choir comes and they start singing, no problem, come on in choir, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah, one of my best meditations was at an airport. It doesn't matter what's happening around you. It's what quality is your mind responding to that with. Okay. So get into a position that feels comfortable for you, that feels stable. <clears throat> 